0: You prepare a table for, before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. May be seated. Thanks, Sydney. And thank you, Reed. Man of many talents. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here, and I, if I haven't met you yet, I would love to do that sometime. And I have the privilege of opening God's Word with you all today. <clears throat> uh, but before we do that, let's pray together. And if you have, uh, if you've, if you have been using the Formed Life Journal um, and going, going through the Advent series using that, I'm going to be reading from the prayer for today in that, in that journal. So let's pray together. Lord, your word tells us that you are our shepherd and we are grateful to be part of your flock because, Lord, we are, pr- we are prone to wander astray and we need you to seek and save us when we are lost. We're often tired and restless and we need you to give us rest. We are weary from our journeyings through this world and we need cool shade and green pastures. We're hungry and thirsty And we need you to feed us and lead us beside still, cool, refreshing waters. We're vulnerable in more ways than we know. And we need your protection, defense, and guidance. Truly, Jesus, our good shepherd, has laid down his life for us, his sheep. No better shepherd could we have. So now, Lord, may we hear your voice and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you all had a Merry Christmas. Good on all of you for making it back to church the day after Christmas. It's good to have you with us here together. And to to our Children's Ministry volunteers, thanks for all that you do. And um, you, have, you have the day off from, uh, from serving today, uh, from serving the, the kids. So thank you for what you do to serve our youngest brothers and sisters in Christ. So because of that, we have, we have the kids with us in the service today. So um, kids, if you are here with us, can you like lift up your hand and wave it around so I can see where you all are? Okay, great. We've got a lot of kids here today. So yes, so kids, we're so excited to have you with us. Parents, if your kids are a little squirmy or a little noisy, it's totally fine. We're just so glad that, they're, that they are here with us. But I thought it would be fun since we have the kids with us to play a little game together to start out. All right. So this game is called, Do You See What I See? And here's how the game goes. There's going to be a picture up on the screen. And I'm going to say something that I see in the picture. And you have to count them and tell me how many of them there are in the picture. Okay? So let's, uh, let's, let's start. I see people in this picture. I see some people on this picture. So count... How many people do you all see in the picture? I hear some fours. I hear some fives. I see I see five people. It kind of looks like there might be three on the left side, but there's just two there on the left side. So there's, there's five people on this picture. Okay, good job, everyone. Let's do another one. I see some animals in this picture. Some animals. Now look carefully. There's one tiny animal, might be hard to see. How many animals do you see? I hear a lot of eights. It's, I see eight animals in this picture. Good job, everyone. All right, let's do another one. I see some sheep in this picture. How many sheep are there? All right, I think you all got that one right. Three sheep, good job. Okay, last one. Ready? Now this one's kind of tricky. I see some shepherds in this picture in this picture. How many shepherds are in this picture? This one is tricky. This one is tricky. All right, I see 3 shepherds in this picture. And you are maybe thinking, "What in the world? I only see 2. Where's the third one?" This is kind of a trick. This is kind of a trick question. The third shepherd is a tiny shepherd in the manger. That's right. Did you know that, that's right, did you know that Jesus was a shepherd? He wasn't, he wasn't a literal shepherd. He didn't take care of sheep as far as we know, but he did come to be a kind of shepherd. Jesus came to be a shepherd for his people, and in the Gospel of Matthew, it records in in Jesus' birth narrative how there was a prophecy that out of Bethlehem, will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And that shepherd was Jesus. So just as a shepherd takes care of the the needs of his sheep, so Jesus came to be a shepherd who looks after and takes care of the needs of his people. Now earlier in the formed life prayer, I read that like sheep, sometimes we find ourselves in threatening places. And we need a shepherd to look after us and to take care of us. To seek us and save us when we are lost. Sometimes we grow tired and we need rest. Or we are weary and worn out and we need refreshment. Sometimes we're vulnerable and we're unsure of which way to go. And we need protection and we need a shepherd to guide us. And we're not completely helpless, but like sheep, there's there's only so much that we can do on our own. Because we have a limited perspective, and, and, and wouldn't it be nice if we had someone who is stronger and wiser and more capable than us of, of leading us where we need to go, of looking who could look after us, who could give us what we need, who would have compassion on us when we are weak or hurting, who could bring us through whatever it is that we're going through and lead us to where we need to go. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a shepherd? Well, that's exactly what we're going to see today as we explore uh, the text for our final sermon in the Advent series. We've been going through a series called He Shall Be Called, and we've been exploring some names of God. And the name of God that we're going to be looking at today is the Lord, our shepherd. And today we are going to see that God came to be our shepherd. God came to be our shepherd. Our shepherd. So if you haven't already, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is introduced with the heading that this is a Psalm of David. And David was an ancestor of Jesus who lived about a thousand years before before Jesus was born. And David himself was a shepherd as a boy. And he grew up to become a shepherd, a king of his people Israel. And in Psalm 23... David writes of the experience of someone who had God himself as his shepherd, who guided him on his journey. So what we're going to do in this sermon is we are going to follow this sheep and his shepherd on the same journey, going through Psalm 23 together, all right? So um, so imagine imagine with me that you are following along this sheep and the shepherd through their journey. Now, the speaker in Psalm 23 begins by imagining himself as a sheep. And he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In Hebrew, this is just four words. It's short and to the point. The simplicity of this statement, even that reflects someone who is calm and at peace, who has all of his needs met. Because he has the Lord as his shepherd, he finds himself in a place of perfect contentment. And in our journey with this sheep and his shepherd, we make our first stop. As the shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures. So you can see an image here of of peace and security and rest. There's plenty of food for this sheep to eat to lie down and to run around. The sheep has, has, has nothing to fear. There is no danger here. So as we continue in our journey with the sheep, it says that the shepherd leads me beside still waters. These aren't the, these aren't the scary waters of a raging river that could threaten the sheep or hurt the sheep. This is calm water. Even the waters are described as being at rest. And so the psalm describes the care and provision of the sheep as, as it should be. This is described like, like almost like the Garden of Eden. Everything is lush and green. There's refreshing water. There's freedom from all threats of chaos. This is the world exactly as it ought to be. And as we continue in this journey following the sheep, we find that somehow the sheep... Or the person in this psalm found himself in a dangerous place. And it doesn't say where that was or how the sheep got there. um, But it is a place where the sheep's very life was threatened and in danger. But because the Lord was his shepherd, it says that he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Now in the Bible, the soul often simply refers to a person's self or to their life. And that's the sense that it has here in this psalm. But because the Lord was his shepherd and he was looking out for him, this sheep's life, this sheep's soul was restored and returned back to a place of safety and abundant life. Okay, is everyone still with me in this journey? Hopefully you are. Hopefully you're still with me because the, the journey isn't over yet. So let's keep going. Next, the sheep says that his shepherd leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Another way of putting this is seen in the NIV and other translations. that say something like, he leads me in right paths. And that's what I want. I want to be led in right paths because sometimes I lead myself and I take a wrong turn. And it seems like things are going well at first, but eventually I find myself in a dangerous place, or a place where I feel lost, or I get hurt. What I really want, what we really want, what we really need is for a shepherd to lead us in right paths. And the psalmist expresses his confidence that the Lord will do this for his name's sake. So whatever happens to the sheep will reflect upon who the shepherd is. The sheep knows that he can trust the shepherd because the shepherd's own reputation depends on what happens with the sheep. And so he knows that he can go wherever his shepherd leads him. Which is really good news because the next place that we are led is through the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death is a scary place to be. I wouldn't want to be there. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that a sheep could get hurt in the valley of the shadow of death, right? If you're a sheep walking through that, you could get your foot caught, or you could trip over a rock and hurt yourself. There might be parts of it where there's, there's a steep ledge or a narrow pass that you have to go through, and as a sheep, you could, you could fall off the ledge and hurt yourself, or a rock could be kicked down and fall and land on you, and you could be hurt. But also look at, look at the caves and all the places where animals and predators could be hiding. What kind of what kind of animals could be there? Bear, yeah, I heard bears, yeah. Yeah, all sorts of things. Maybe, maybe wild dogs, maybe, maybe lions. Somebody in the first server said bats. There's all sorts of scary animals that could, that could be there. And if you're a sheep, that's, that's, that's really scary. That's a scary place to be. Maybe there's even thieves that could come and steal a sheep. And yet, look at what the sheep says the sheep says, I will fear no evil. How is this possible for a sheep to not fear evil in the valley of the shadow of death? Well, he says why. He says, for you are with me. Because the Lord, his shepherd, is with him, he doesn't fear. So even when this vulnerable sheep is surrounded by danger on every side, he knows that the Lord, his shepherd, is with him. And this is the exact reason why this clause is intentionally placed in the very middle. If you have your Bible, you can see that this clause, you are with me, is in the very middle of this psalm. Because even in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd is right there, leading the sheep through it. The valley is not the end, his shepherd is with him, so he doesn't fear. The sheep says to the shepherd, or says of the shepherd, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd uses the rod and staff to defend the sheep against threats, they would, any, anything that would come against it and hurt the sheep. The rod and staff are used to reassure the sheep of the shepherd's presence and to comfort them and to gently guide the, the sheep along the right path. So, hopefully, you're all still with us. Because we just made it through the valley of the shadow of death. And now, at this point, the metaphor in the psalm changes. Because no longer is, is the image one of a sheep being led by a shepherd. It's of, it's of the psalmist as someone who is now the recipient of God's generous hospitality. They are now a guest of the Lord. And on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death, this writer finds himself at a place of feasting joy. It says a table has been prepared before him with all of the best things to eat and drink. And it says that his enemies are there, but his enemies are are not there as threats to his life or anything that he needs to be afraid of. But it says that he's described almost like a king at a table before his vanquished foes. And now his enemies are only able to look on powerlessly as he feasts with joy. This is this is an image of the good life. Even his hair is conditioned with the finest oils, and his cup is overflowing. I like what uh, one scholar, Robert Alter, he says of verse five. This verse then lists all the elements, all the physical elements of a happy life: a table laid out with good things to eat, a hair, a head of hair well rubbed with olive oil, and an overflowing cup of wine. To which some of you said, "Amen, amen to that." <clears throat> The psalm concludes that from now on, goodness and mercy will relentlessly pursue him all the days of his life, and that he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the journey is at this point completed, and at the end of this psalm, the end of this psalm is now a new beginning of feasting joy forever in the presence of the Lord his shepherd. And what's especially curious about this last verse is that the house of the Lord is how the Bible commonly refers to the temple where God lives. But the only people who were allowed in the temple were priests. And so not only is this person described in in language that reminds us of a king before his defeated enemies, but he's also described in kind of priestly language. All right, so now that we've taken a journey... And followed through Psalm 23. I want us to take a step back for a second. Because t- Psalm 23 sounds so wonderful, doesn't it? So idealistic. Even like the Garden of Eden, as I said earlier. But, but the strange thing about this, the problem is that a lot of times, you know, we know from our own personal experiences that life isn't like this often, right? It's not ideal. Things are far from being perfect. In fact, it's often just the opposite. We often find ourselves in want. Sometimes we are in the desert, and there are no green pastures. And we're not by still waters. Instead, it seems like everything is chaotic and scary and threatening. We're Like we're on the edge of a chaotic, turbulent stormy sea that threatens to engulf us. And sometimes, even at the moments of the most danger... The, the, the threats seem so close that it's, it might even feel like our own lives are at stake. Sometimes we feel like we're, we're being threatened financially, or relationally, or emotionally, or even physically, due to illness and disease, or due to accidents, or due to age. And our souls, or our, our very lives, feel like they are hanging in the balance. And sometimes we go down the wrong paths. We make a mistake, we get lost, or we, get, we find ourselves in trouble. And we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death, and it's a scary place to be. Some of us have been there before. Some of us are there right now in that valley. And many of us know people who have perished in this valley before. And when you're in that valley, God feels far away, and he feels distant. He doesn't feel like he's with us. And nothing seems to bring us comfort in that valley. It doesn't, we, don't, we don't feel like we are reclining at a table at a feast. Instead, we feel like we're weary and worn out and exhausted. And instead of being pursued by goodness and mercy, like Psalm 23 describes, it feels like we're being pursued by evil. Like wild animals, like wild beasts that want to devour us. But what if I told you that the person that we have been following through Psalm 23 has had all of these experiences as well? Because in order to get to Psalm 23, he first had to walk through the journey of Psalm 22. Now, many of us are are probably familiar with Psalm 23 and have heard this psalm before, and we we may be used to reciting or, or reading Psalm 23 on its own, but maybe we've never stopped to consider its placement right after Psalm 22. A psalm that begins with the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How many of us would say that These words sometimes describe our experience more than the words of Psalm 23. I know I would sometimes. It's not a fun place to be. But do you know who else said these words? Jesus said these words. In fact, these words from Psalm 22 are the last words the gospel writers Matthew and Mark record Jesus as saying before he died on the cross when god felt so far from his present experience and in fact not just Matthew and Mark but all four of the gospel writers directly quote and apply psalm 22 to Jesus in his suffering and his dying on the cross let me point out just a few ways we see the messiah foretold in psalm 22 Psalm 22, verses 6 through 8, describes the way he was mocked by others, even down to the very words the mocker said of him. Verses 12 through 16 describe evil men like vicious animals that surround him on all sides. Verse 15 speaks of his thirst as his very life began to wither away. Verse 16 says. They have pierced my hands and feet. Verse 18 says, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And all of these details are recounted by the Gospels in Jesus' Passion. But this isn't where the Psalm ends. Psalm 22 goes on and says that this afflicted one will ultimately be rescued by the Lord. And the New Testament sees this fulfilled in Jesus as well. Hebrews 2.12 applies Psalm 22, verse 22, to Jesus after his suffering, death, and resurrection. Where it says, it says of, of Jesus, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And some scholars even see Jesus' words, it is finished, as being an echo of the triumphant declaration of the last words of Psalm 22. He has done it. So Psalm 22 ends with celebration and feasting joy, much as we saw, saw in Psalm 23. And that's because the suffering of Psalm 22 was not the end. The suffering, the, the death that Jesus went through, described in Psalm 23, 22, he burst through it into a new kind of abundant life that we see described in Psalm 23. I love how Bible Project, in their overview video of the Psalms, they describe describe these Psalms this way. The David of the past has become an image of the messianic king of the future who will also call out to God. He will be delivered and then given a kingdom over the nations. So these Psalms are about the Messiah who revealed himself in the person of Jesus. Psalm 23, here's what this means. Psalm 23 is where it is precisely because it is the the answer and the reversal to the loneliness and the, the affliction of Psalm 22. So instead of the suffering that's often found in life that we see in Psalm 22, we see instead the Edenic peace, we see the provision, the safety and comfort that ought to be. A place of complete peace and safety. So instead of being deprived of food and water, like in Psalm 22, in Psalm 23 we see nourishment and refreshment. It says, it, says, it shows that his life was brought back from the peril of death. In other words, God very literally restored his soul. He only went down paths of Righteousness. And God led him through it. He led him through this difficult path, this righteous path, and into a new kind of life. Because God's own name and reputation was on the line. In Psalm 23, we don't see his foes standing around mocking him like wild animals, but now he's seated at the table, his foes being defeated before him. He is christened with luxurious oil. And instead of evil men pursuing him like animals, now goodness and mercy are what pursue him. And now he dwells in God's very presence, not not far away wondering where God is, but near in God's very presence like a kind of priest in the house of God. This person we've been following through Psalm 23 on that journey is a portrait of Jesus. Jesus. Now specifically, it's, it's unclear from this psalm itself whether Jesus is the speaker addressing the Lord as shepherd or whether Jesus is the Lord as shepherd being addressed by the psalmist. Or somehow if it's both. Either, either way, none of those options pose any difficulty for, for us as Christians. Because either way, Jesus followed, through, he, Jesus followed the Lord through the experience of Psalm 22 and came out the other side. And now he is able to lead other sheep through that difficult, dark valley too. This man who was the suffering son of King David is now himself the shepherd king of his people. And he's able to lead others because he himself was led. Pastor Tom Nelson, our senior pastor at Christ Community, he, he has a new book out called The Flourishing Pastor. And he, he makes that point that those who lead well must first be led well. And Jesus knows how to lead his flock well, because he himself was one of them. And he knows exactly what we need. So what we see in the Psalms and in the Gospels is that God came to be our shepherd. And if we have Jesus as our shepherd, Psalm 23 can be our experience too. The Gospels give us a picture of what it looks like when Jesus is our shepherd. I love this story in Mark Mark chapter 6. We read of how Jesus and his disciples, they wanted to get away, so they they got into a boat and crossed over the Sea of Galilee to a desolate place. And the crowd saw them getting in the boat, crossing crossing over the lake, and they followed him from the shore. And when Jesus got on the shore, it says in Mark 6, 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep, without a shepherd. And so while they were there, the people needed food. But it was late, and they were in a desolate place. So what is Jesus the shepherd going to do? Well, Mark tells us that Jesus commanded them to sit down on the green grass. Um, The green grass by by the Sea of Galilee. And I imagine that the water on the Sea of Galilee was was still and peaceful. So maybe in a second we'll see a picture of the Sea of Galilee. I imagine that this is is what it might have looked like. Green grass next to still waters. Jesus made them sit down on it. And he took some food and he broke it. And he gave it to the people. He gave it to the crowd to eat. And the text says that all ate and were satisfied. This is a picture of how Jesus cares for his people. This is how Jesus cares for his sheep. He has compassion on them. He provides for them even in desolate places. He makes them lie down in green pastures. He leads them beside still waters. He feeds them and restores their souls. It's a scene of peace and abundance because Jesus, their shepherd, is with them and everything is as it should be. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And Jesus says that he defends his sheep from the wolves and that he knows his flock. He knows their needs. And he is so committed to his sheep that he even lays down his life so that his sheep might live. Jesus says this is why he came. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly This abundant life that Jesus speaks of is the Psalm 23 kind of life, where everything is as it should be. Feasting joy, free from danger. And we can have a taste of this even now, because Jesus is is our shepherd. And one day we know that he will return, and we will have it in full with our shepherd. This doesn't mean that we will never go through dark valleys, or difficult times like those described in Psalm 22. But it means that it means that on the other side, Psalm 23 shows us on the other side of the valley, there is, there is abundant life and feasting joy. So dark valleys will come. And even if we find ourselves in a dark valley, it doesn't necessarily mean we have made a wrong turn. Our shepherd leads us even through the dark valleys. He's with us. And we can take heart because right in the middle of this psalm and right in the middle of even our darkest valleys, our shepherd is with us. This is why he came. He came to enter our darkest valleys. He entered and went far deeper than any of us could ever go so that we could go with him through it, so he could lead us through those valleys with him to the other side, into that abundant life. So we can fear, we will fear no evil for Christ our shepherd is with us. So let's follow our shepherd's lead. If we do things our own way, we're like vulnerable sheep. We'll get lost or we'll get hurt. So let's not lead ourselves or else we'll grow tired and thirsty. But if we follow Christ our shepherd, he will give us what we need. So if you are tired, if we are tired and worn out, If we're lost, if we've wandered far away, maybe we don't even know where we are. Jesus, even there, is able to find us and seek us out and bring us back and restore us. You need to know that Jesus, your shepherd, cares for you and he wants to lead you. So let's follow our shepherd's lead. And we can have confidence and hope even in the face of adversity. As we are on this journey, we know that Jesus, our shepherd, he's always with us. We can trust him to provide for us. We can trust him to protect us. We know that even when things are scariest, he's with us. And he's able to restore us after anything that we've lost. He knows us and he leads us. He's able to give us abundant life, both now and especially on the other side of the dark valley. So friends, as we, as we put the Christmas decorations away for another year, as we pack up our nativity sets, again, until next year, don't forget about the shepherd who's in the manger. Remember that he was there to be your shepherd. God came to be our shepherd. So Merry Christmas. Praise God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for coming in the person of Jesus to be our shepherd. Thank you for the ways you lead us and protect us and provide for us. Lord, we pray for those who now find themselves in the dark valley. Lord, would would you let them feel your nearness with them? Lord, would you comfort them and reassure them of your presence? God, be our guide and bring us back when we are astray or when we are in danger. Help us to follow you for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.